Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Hello and welcome once again to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. Welcome to our very own celebration of the Day of the Dead, where we're going to be taking a look at the, at the latest film from Pixar Animation Studios, the film Coco. If you haven't seen the film, we highly recommend that you do so before listening to the rest of this particular episode because we will be going into very heavy spoiler territory. So please, if you have not seen the film yet, I suggest you stop this recording now, go see the movie, and then come come back and join us to hear us talk about the movie in depth. Uh, my name is Rachel, and joining me today is uh, someone of our loyal listeners and followers will uh, know from our social media. Uh, she is our very own social media wizard and animation fan, Denery. Hey, Denery. Hi. How have you been? I've uh, been well. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today and talking about Coco, because if I recall correctly, you were... You had a lot of interesting opinions on this film when it was first announced in development, but uh, I understand you really enjoyed it when you went to go see it? Yes, yes. I was personally, I'm not going to hide it, I was against it. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't feel like they're not allowed to say it, to do anything like this. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how they would treat this in terms of representation. I feel that's very important to me. Yeah, of course. And... I don't know where to begin. I just, I think one of my major problems with it was, of course, them trying to trademark Day of the Dead. I feel like, you know, you could have just done the movie and not try to trade own the holiday. Exactly, yeah. So I just felt this was disrespectful, trying to own something that isn't theirs. Exactly, yeah, of course. It's the, the Day of the Dead is a holiday that's celebrated by everyone. Yes. I mean, everybody's welcome to join and celebrate with us. It's... You know, we're happy to share. And I will say from my own personal experience with the music, I've never, I personally have not had an opportunity to really celebrate Day of the Dead, but from even the small gleaming of information of knowledge about this, that even that this movie provided, I'm, I'm not saying that they, like, I've learned everything about it, but I want to learn more. I genuinely do want to learn more. And just kind of like given a little idea of like what it, what it's about and what it's, what the purpose of what the idea of it is. And I would, it's, beautiful it is i think the movie does a great job at showcasing and 
gives you a lot of good interest views on the holiday. It talks a lot of good stuff, all of the major important stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you always want to learn more, you're welcome to join, you know, a lot of the festivals that happens around the cities or things like that, where they that's do. So cool. And you can learn more and much more. I feel like that's a really good place to start, mm-hmm. you know, with this movie. Definitely. So, okay, yeah, um, to, to kind of bout, to springboard off of that in terms of just like you like you really appreciate that's one of the things you enjoyed the most about it in, in general. But in terms of the um, the story, like how they approach the, you know, the character of Miguel and the, this pre- presentation from the, the start of the film, what was what were your, uh, how did you enjoy it? Um, I enjoyed it. I was very skeptic up until I was, as I was watching the movie, I started really, to just, you know, I just felt like I got to give this movie a chance no matter what. And mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, it's going to be good because I know that the people who work on the movie, they really did put a, put a lot of heart and soul, a lot of passion into this. And I feel like you can really um, see that on screen. Cool. That's really cool. How how would you say, like, they were able to portray that on screen? Like, what what little touches did you notice that you thought really, like, spoke to you? I liked when they had a scene where um, Miguel was at the, with his grandma and they're talking about the altar and she's introducing basically the family tree. Mm-hmm. And I like that she was giving, she was just talking a lot about it. Okay. And I like the, I like the music. Oh gosh, I yes. I love the music, but I think watching this movie, I really enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, that music was just, whew, that, that's, it's really interesting because the terms of this, this is a animated film, but it's not advertised as a musical and it doesn't present itself as such, as, as such, excuse me, Blah. going over <laughs> my words a little bit. Yeah, but it's, but the music is just uh, in, incredible. Just, I found myself tapping my foot to pretty much every single like song presented in the movie, even whether it was, um, you know, an actual like set piece song, like, you know, um, uh, Poco Loco early in yeah. the movie. And um, uh, what's the one in the the, the climax um, of the film, uh, which one of the other characters gets to sing? Uh, Llorona? La Llorona? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's oh, that was beautiful. My personal favorite. Oh, my favorite. I've had that on, <laughs> I've had that, I swear, I've had that on repeat ever since I got back from the movie. Just gorgeous. Yes, it's such a great song. I know everybody loves the other songs, and I do love it too. But I think this really tops it out for me. This is my absolute favorite ever. Mm-hmm. And of course, there is the uh, the theme of the movie, which they do more than once. Um, Remember me, which is the going to probably going to be the um, the up for original song for um, in the Oscar award nominations. But um, I, I, at least this is just my hypothetical guess. But it is in terms of having a song that kind of supposed to represent like the, the theme or the, the um, message of the story. It's, it's, it's good. It's catchy. Yes, it is. I actually bought um, a Hector doll where he sings the song. You did oh, not. Oh. Right after I watched the movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're so lucky. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to say right here um, in terms of, the, my favorite character presented the film. It was a very close tie between Miguel and Hector. I think Hector just kind of slowly, like, you know, just very, 
very small, like tinyly I got ahead in the number one position because he's because he's just so funny. <laughs> he's so great. I mean, I really loved him as well. I mean, clearly I bought the doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! If it, yeah, this movie is very special, and I've I had to go and see it twice in order to. I mean, I, I just wanted to a see it again before we had a chance to talk about it, but just because <laughs> I just had to see it again. You know, Star Wars, what's that? I got to see Coco again. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping I would catch it again in Spanish. I mean, I probably will anyways. I'll probably go watch it again if they still have it in Spanish somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, like could, you, could you talk about that a little bit? Because I know that was one something that they were advertising um, in regards to this film, um, you know, in theaters, that they not only had the, um, you know, obviously the English language uh, version of the movie, but they also had it in completely in Spanish. So um, do you have any more knowledge of the fact that it's, you know, just something that it exists or do you have an opinion on that? Um, I just know that it exists. I, I want to go see it. I definitely want to go see it. I think it's awesome that they did that because yeah. it would, you know, it just makes us feel more special to think like they really, you know, went all out for us and giving us the opportunity to see the movie here, not just like in Mexico, but just here in the U.S. in Spanish. Yeah, like, you know, our parents or, you know, or if you just want to see it in Spanish anyways. Yeah. So that way, you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, whatever language you speak, you can still enjoy it. Yeah. That is really super cool. So I really thank them for doing that and going just all out for it. Yeah, that's that shows like like we were saying earlier, kind of gives them more of an idea that how, you know, that they're really trying to be authentic and make sure that this film is uh, enjoyed by as many people as possible. Yeah, it shows that they really do care about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just good. Is that, that makes for a good film. Yes, it does. <laughs> Though I did want to um, draw, uh, I did want to ask you one specifically one question, because I know um, when we were first talking about this, uh, the, f- the film in development, but we were making a lot of comparisons to uh, the Book of Life as well. And I know you are a huge, huge fan of that movie. Um, yes, I'm of, a huge fan of both. <laughs> yeah, I, I unfortunately have yet to have an opportunity to see Book of Life all the way you know, through. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I do definitely want to see the full experience. Um, mm-hmm. Just so I can have a better idea of the difference between um, Book of Life's like, uh, you know, Land of the Dead versus Coco's Land of the Dead. So in terms of... Um, from what you know, since you have seen both and I have not, um, how do each, how does each film like have its own identity in terms of that particular setting of like, you know, how they, Book of Life presents its Land of the Dead versus Coco? Like what makes them different? What makes them different is that the world building at the end of the day they have, um, in Coco, it's a little bit more modern. Mm-hmm. They have like, you know, an actual like city mm-hmm. versus in the Book of Life, it's, um, you don't really see what Coco has in terms of, like having like these office buildings and you know the way that they enter mm-hmm. um to the other side to visit their families. It's a lot more different as well. Okay. And yeah, that's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I think because what I remember from Book of Life is that Book of Life definitely has a more like um fairy tale aesthetic. So I yeah. think it, that's probably what it goes for more of just like kind of go whole hog, you know, fairy tale. So a lot of like darker, co- like darker colors, but more kind of, I'm um, like, what's like, look at the, I remember it's seeing a lot like, more colorful. Yeah. Book of life. Yeah, for sure. And then with um, 
Coco. It it is more more like a city, more like um yeah, it's just more city like versus um the book of life. It feels like it's a whole other world. It's very fantasy like you mentioned. Yeah, okay, gotcha. And one other thing I wanted to ask uh I want to ask you about the um cuz I want if I mispronounce this, please, you know, uh, please forgive me. The um <laughs> the alabrije the oh yeah spirit animals what were your thoughts uh, the uh, spirit guides what were your thoughts on them in terms of their designs because i mean we have obviously like you see only uh, like a certain number of them but especially like the um i forget what the name of the one that belongs to uh imelda was uh, pepita yeah but <laughs> what was the name i forget i'm sorry pepita pepita oh my god that's the <laughs> best name for that <laughs> i actually have the pleasure of pepita <laughs> Man, you finding all this merchandise, and all I'm just getting really envious. It's <laughs> like I can only imagine what the, a plush of that would look like. Oh, that's beautiful! It's awesome, it's gorgeous. I have a picture of it on my Twitter, actually. Okay, well, make sure that when, before we before we uh, get off for the for this particular episode, make sure we we'll mention your Twitter your Twitter handle. So if people who oh, are yeah. curious what a uh, plush Pepita looks like, you'll be able to see it. <laughs> Uh, but like, um, cause I guess in terms of the, you know, in terms of the culture, I'm not sure if like, I don't know as much about the Alabrije, like, is that like, could you offer some insight to that? Cause this is, again, I'm coming as a um, uh, poor, poor white girl who doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they pretty much explain it there. It's just, um, it's a spirit guide. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's a folk art sculptures they have. Okay, gotcha. I'm actually looking it up because I really don't <laughs> as much either. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was very appropriate <laughs> that um, Imelda, like her 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 specific spirit guy was this giant. Oh yeah, <laughs> like cat that looks like it could like eat your face in one bite. <laughs> because that's just the kind of strong-willed woman she is, and she needs an alibrihe that is as strong-willed and intimidating as she is. <laughs> Third yeah, favorite character, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're just um, these creatures. They're fantasy creatures. Okay, yeah, so kind of like... Folk art statues they, they make. Okay, so is it like a, a particular kind of like spirit animal that like follows you through life and through death? Or is it just, just through death? Um, I believe it is to death, like to guide you. Okay, gotcha. And it could be just from basically any animals, which is why, yeah, I won't probably, I probably won't mention that right now. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, there's just, there's, there's, but on the other hand, I mean, they just spoil it with the merchandise. Yeah, yeah. It's like I think we've already we've we've safely gone into spoiler ter- territory already, and I already put the warning in the beginning of the of the podcast. So I think we're 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 safe. We're fine. <laughs> and that's probably why um, Dante ended up turning into one. Yes, yes. <laughs> that was so excellent, and especially I love how he's just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, all the like the the like pretty like outlet, you know colors just start covering him. He's like, "Wait, what's going on?" <laughs> And I couldn't help it. I think I may, I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but I couldn't help but looking at Dante and 
not think in a small, small way. Like I almost recognize that design in um, uh, Finding Dory as that one seal from the, uh, from the Marine Institute that that's just constantly got that like derpy expression, just kind of. Oh, right. (laughs) That's all like, that's definitely a visual cue for me, at least with the, with Dante's expression, but Dante is a very different, very different kind Mm -hmm. of uh, character. And he's really cute. Yeah, he's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, now that we're talking a little bit more in detail, I've already mentioned who my favorite characters are. Who are, who is your favorite character in the movie? I love Miguel. I usually don't like little boy characters, but I think he's my favorite, as well as Hector and Imelda. Uh-huh. I think they're all just amazing. Yeah, those, those three really just kind of, like, offer different, really good interactions with each other. Like, Hector and Miguel are wonderful interacting off each other in turn when they're doing, you know, getting together with music. Um, Imelda and Miguel, they're, they're oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Conflict is really yeah. important to the whole integrity of the film, mm-hmm. which is just really, and, and then even the way how that kind of brings it back at the end when it is revealed that um, that Hector is Miguel's actual great great grandfather, and how kind of like they're, I mean, even though it shows that uh, Imelda and Hector are you know definitely still on outs with each other, mm-hmm. since, you know, since after both having passed on when Hector's life is on the line, Imelda, even though she's not prepared to forgive him, she does. She, she does still say, cares. You know? Yeah, she still cares. And she's like, I'm, all right, I don't forgive you for what you did, but I am going to save your life, your afterlife. <laughs> Which was very sweet. And then she um, socks Ernesto on the face with a shoe. That's for stealing <laughs> of my life. I have the love of your life. <laughs> I don't know what I said. <laughs> Oh, oh she can be stubborn, but I mean, she also, you know, she puts others before, and she really cares about people. I love that about her. Well, yeah, I mean, you can definitely see, like, even when she's stubborn in the beginning with Miguel, you can tell it's coming from a genuine place, and even when she's insisting that he gives up music, much to his distaste. Yeah, she always has good intentions. Yeah, and she makes that clear to him, I think, probably midway through the film when uh, she has that moment where she, you know, admits her love for singing and explains herself a little bit but it's still a matter of stubbornness in terms of not just communicating to Miguel that she's only doing this because she feels like that's you know so that she only says those things because she cares about Miguel's future but still Mm -hmm. it's like a matter of give and take I guess in terms of the fact that you know trying to support him but also not support what he loves at the same time it's it's kind of those give and take things with families which is really you know it's a real thing yeah it's pretty common yeah and it's it's i love how i think more than anything else i love that kind of what's the word i'm looking for i i I, I don't have real difficulty finding the right words to talk about today um it's it's genuine it's Mm -hmm. genuine family interactions yeah it is i feel like a lot of people can definitely relate to things like that where they feel like they can't they're not getting the support that they would want mm-hmm. from their loved ones mm-hmm. and it's kind of like even in Moana you know she wants to go out in the sea and her dad's being stubborn mm-hmm. and saying no you can't but yeah. he also comes even though he seems really harsh he he's coming from a good place kind of yeah 
Yeah, because he, he, he means was, well, you know. Yeah, he was speaking from his own personal experience because I remember in Moana they admitted in the film I forget who t I think it was the the, the grandmother that he was, was yeah, afraid was to her, go. Yeah, it was her mom that told her what happened. Oh right, yeah, okay, it was the mom. Yeah, that he almost drowned, and I think it was the law he lost a friend he of lost his a friend. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't want that to happen again. Yeah, so it's just like it's. That's when I really enjoy when animated films, especially fam, uh, animated films for families, take that extra, like, you, you can, you know, the, the kids can more so relate to the kids that they see in the movie and identify with them, but the adults in the, in the theater sitting with the, uh, you know, the kids can also identify with not just the kids, but also the adult characters as well. Yeah, and you can see it from both sides. Mm -hmm. And that makes for good conflict, good conflict that at least up until a certain point, we didn't have an antagonist. Mm -hmm. which I thought, well, I, I did want to get your opinion on that too, because I originally went into this film thinking that, oh, there's really not going to be an antagonist to this, and there is, you know, Ernesto is eventually revealed to be a a big one by the end of, uh, like, <laughs> the, the latter portion of the story. Yeah. So, did you think that that was the turn that the film needed to take, or was it, like, or did you enjoy it just the same? I enjoyed it just the same. I I actually, as I was watching the movie, I actually saw it coming. Mm -hmm. I just thought the way that um, Ernesto de la Cruz has portrayed himself as this, you know, this just this person, just this idol who's always, you know, saying he's speaking from the heart and all this other junk. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, in a way, maybe he's just being a hypocrite about all this. I've, and I also think it's because there are people in real life that are like that. Yeah. Where they portray themselves like someone so great and, you know, just high and mighty, I guess you can say. Self-important. Yeah. And, um, and it turns out, yeah, they're the exact opposites of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's, it, because it all comes down to the whole thing, like, okay, how far are you willing to go in order to try and make it big? Or what are you willing to sacrifice for fame? And he kind of stands yeah, as an example and of that. Whereas, yeah, and the whole seizure moment. Yeah, seizure yeah. moment. Yeah, line that is repeated quite often through this film. But it, I love how it comes back in that particular instance where it becomes, you know, first it's a it's a mantra that motivates Miguel to, you know, on his path to become a musician. But then he realizes, like, okay, what does it mean to seize your moment? And then that's when he sees exactly yeah. what Ernesto did to Hector. Mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I don't want that. <laughs> I, I want to go back to my family because no matter what, they'll always care about me. <laughs> yeah, I think what really nailed the thing for me is just the importance of Hector. Like, you know, they wouldn't just have a character like him just go on an adventure with someone, you know, who's the main character. Like yeah. There was a reason. You know, he's saying he wants to see his daughter again. I feel like, yeah, I think um, he's talking about Telfo and yeah, that's, I guess that's your real great great grandfather. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I had a uh, gut feeling I knew that too. I mean, it's like with a particular like, when a character is looking for a specific person and then they run into this, you know, who they have you no know, idea. The main protagonist, you know. Yeah, you... the main protagonist, and you have no idea who, what they look like, and then you happen upon this bum, like, oh, this, you know, help me find this other person who I'm pretty sure is the person I'm looking for, when really the person is right there the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> it's been done before, but my goodness, was it still entertaining to watch, even though, like you, like you said, probably not too long after, like, 
10 minutes after we were introduced to Hector, like, I'm sure most adults in the audience were like, oh, this is probably the actual great-great-grandfather. But even knowing that, it's still an enjoying ride. And I think that's another thing that, uh, another big point in uh, Coco's favor is the fact that even though you can kind of predict it in that particular sense, it's still really entertaining. It's still fun to watch, you know. I don't mind things being predictable. I just feel like if you make it entertaining, you know, I don't, I don't, I'll love it still. Yeah, and I think it's because the way that they handled, even like it said, been done, but it's, they did it in a fresh way. They did, they did, it wasn't by the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was, made it stand out, I think. It did. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any particular, um, I mean, obviously you're what, you're just enjoying the film. Was there any particular moment of animation that really stood out to you? Like a particular animated scene that just really kind of, popped out at you or just you know you really remember very vividly i definitely remember when um they go what was that place called that is i want to say it's the land of the forgotten right where the people Mm -hmm. who are there they don't really have people to remember them by so they're kind of there in like that limbo area Mm -hmm. i felt that really stood out to me the part where uh hector's getting the guitar from I'm, try- I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, um, I, I, I wish I could recall. I, I, I guess I feel, you know, even worse because, you know, he's forgotten and then I forget his name. I know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, dear. oh dear, that's so bad. Um, hmm. But yeah, that scene where um, he basically knows he's just going to disappear. I thought that was so emotional to watch, which is really sad. It was, and I, and, if I may add, like, my own two cents with that particular scene, because it was handled very well, and it, it really presented a nice kind of uh, ultimate scenario of, like, okay, this is, you know, the ultimate low point for anyone who is in the, you know, the world of the dead. Like, if no one remembers you, this is what happens to you. But yeah, that whole moment with um, with Hector taking the guitar and playing one last song for the gentleman, I think it's Chico. I think it, the name Chico is coming back to my head. I'm not sure if that's the actual name. <laughs> And if I'm wrong, uh, please. Um, I think it's like he, he takes the guitar and it's not like a, it's not a sad song. It's not like a hopeful, uplifting song. It's just a song about a lady. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very real. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I thought that part was just, you know, I was just tearing up watching that because, you know, um, it's just so sad that, you know, people just are forgotten and you don't know what happens after that yeah and miguel actually seeing it happen i mean he's a young kid and he's seeing all this happen before his eyes mm-hmm. and after that he knows the consequences when it starts happening to hector and he's like oh no 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 this can't happen this can't happen yeah. to, this can't happen to this guy <laughs> yeah like, if you can say somebody i mean you want to help them out mm-hmm. all right so trying to think what else I wanted to talk about okay one of the bigger questions in regards saying you've have you you've seen a lot of the Pixar movies correct if not all of them yeah right where would you rate this in terms of like some of the other ones that you've seen is it like one of like the the like what is it up there with Mm -hmm. Toy Story or I think it would be number one not because I'm just biased, but I mean. <laughs> no, no, I mean. 
but I think, yeah, this is my ultimate favorite. That's, that's, that's big praise. And you know what? I'm. And this come from somebody who was very skeptical, who didn't really want to see it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm I kind of cheat a little bit myself for the fact that there's so many of the like Pixar movies, like some of the best of the best, which I really just kind of all put in my number one spot. This is, <laughs> you know, like Toy Story, um, like all three Toy Story films are all up there. Um, the Incredibles, you know, Ratatouille. Coco's right up there. Coco's sitting right, pretty, right next to them, because it is a very, very well done movie, and I was enjoying it from beginning to end, from the opening title sequence where we get that very beautifully animated um, backstory. Yeah, that's, on a, the, that's another thing I liked. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was yeah, I liked the, the use of banners to tell a story. Yeah. I love that. That was really awesome. Mm-hmm. It was a good way to kind of lay out the history of the Rivera family so that way when we're introduced to Miguel properly then we kind of know the stakes in terms of his love for music versus why his family is so against music because it's been part of their you know there it's been part of you know not including music and banning music has been part of their you know history ever since uh Inelda. yeah wait did you by any chance stay after the credits I didn't could you enlighten me as to what might have happened after the credits? They um, started to, in, after the credits ended, I think, mm-hmm. I think it was right after the credits, they started to um, show the, basically the in memory of, which you could assume is the crew members' loved ones, and they have pictures of them. Oh, my god! That, that was just so sweet. Like, oh, my God, just like. Oh, now I'm kicking of... myself for not staying <laughs> there longer. My goodness. I always tell people, just stay after the credits, even if there's nothing after. I mean, you know, you want to appreciate the crew who, you know, made it happen, who made this movie as well. I know, and I I normally do that myself, but I think it's just because of the holiday season. It's been like I had to I had to get home for whatever reason now that but that's no excuse. That's no <laughs> excuse. And I I will forever I will carry that regret with me. You could watch it a third time and, you know, just be there. <laughs> you know what? Like, even when I get that phone, regardless of whether I get, when I go see it in theaters next, which I hope will be soon, and mm-hmm. um, even when the it comes out on DVD, which I bet I'm going to be getting it on DVD when it, as soon as it comes out, I will be, I will, every single time I watch it afterward, I will, I will look to see <laughs> if they included those pictures in the proper cre- in the credits, even on the DVD. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm very curious. Yeah, that was another nice touch that they did. Yeah, well, th- thanks for thanks for mentioning that. That's really super cool. Yeah, so if anybody else is listening that didn't see it, I mean, there you go. <laughs> point point to say, bonus. always stay until <laughs> the credits are over, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's a Marvel movie or not. You're sitting there and you're standing and watching those credits. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was there... Anything else in particular you would want to talk about in regards to uh, Coco in terms of, um, you know, the casting, perhaps? Or did you think that's been that's been talked about enough? Yeah, it's been talked about a lot, but I mean, I still love all the cast. They chose, you know, really good people that even that, you know, I've been so familiar with. Mm-hmm. I had no even like. I remember like in the back of my mind that Benjamin Brad had been cast as Ernesto de la Cruz, but even when. I was sitting there watching it. For some mm-hmm. reason, I was listening to that character, and I, and I, and I can picture Benjamin Brett in my in my head pretty well because I remember him from uh, 
um what's the movie um miss congeniality oh yeah <laughs> and um i remember having the biggest crush on him when i was a kid but uh, <laughs> yeah i did for some reason when i was hearing him talk as and that's the little chris i did not i could not see the actor i saw the character and i think that's in terms of every single actor in this film you know anthony gonzalez as miguel uh gail garcia bernal as hector benjamin bratt like everyone who i've seen in movies before like i didn't see the actors i saw the characters which was a you know huge huge you know big thumbs up for everyone involved in the movie for you know being able to really get into the character yeah i think they even for the new kid anthony gonzalez he did such a great job oh my goodness yeah and what a voice he has he does and if he grows up to be a singer i mean i he's got a good start <laughs> <laughs> definitely i think i recall um there was a promotional thing in uh i forget it was disney world or disneyland um where people would come up to like a, a surprise like um button and then all of a sudden like all these dancers and uh trumpeters would, would come out and, and miguel would come up uh their anthony gonzalez would come out and start singing remember me oh yeah i think that was here in disneyland yeah disneyland okay yeah, that's what i thought because i think I, I saw that on youtube and i'm just like oh my gosh that's the best way to promote this movie <laughs> i know they did such a great job bringing it over here as well when they mm -hmm. were promoting the movie they had the little um section for coco they had bunch of cool stuff they have some nice dancers you know Ooh, cool i wanted to go so bad so if they still <laughs> there so i want to see if i could try to go but i mean i wouldn't be opposed to it going next year as well i mean hopefully they bring it back again of course definitely if you ever do make sure to let us know and we can or uh let us know and we'll make sure to circulate through the twitter feed <laughs> i will i will talk Chron about it <laughs> chronicle chronicle the adventure <laughs> But yeah, I think, I think that's about, I'm like, because I really don't know how much more I can offer. Like, I think it was one of the things I was really nervous about talking about this movie is the fact that, again, I am not someone who celebrates this culture. I do respect it. I mm -hmm. just don't know too much about it. So when I was first writing the uh, review that we have currently up on the website, and I will leave a link in that in the show notes, I was very nervous to talk about it because I felt as someone who, like I said, did not grow up with said culture, I was nervous about talking about something and how it was represented. So it, it's, it's, but even despite that, it mm -hmm. felt, there's, I think that when you're, when you're approaching a certain anime, you know, a film or any kind of like, you know, art, what's the word I'm looking for? I cannot talk today. I am sorry, everyone, for having to listen. I mean, they make it like, you know, it's based on, you know, just a, a holiday but they make it universal enough yeah. for everybody to enjoy and that's what i like i like movies where it's you know it's based on like someone's culture mm -hmm. or even just ethnic background but it's still entertaining to watch for everybody which is why i like movies like my big fat Greek wedding and mm -hmm. and they like beckham yeah <laughs> even though they're you know one of them um it's about an indian family i relate yeah. to it because i feel like well that's like my family as well as well as um my big fat Greek wedding, you know, this this big crazy family mm -hmm. of clothes, and I could relate to that. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's I guess the word that I'm looking for is genuine, like the genuine nature of the story and the characters and the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Like even though I'm like I said, I don't 
it's, it's not something that I completely relate to. I, I, I get the sense of the genuine, like, and how it would relate to my family or like, so you, like you said, how it would relate to your family, mm-hmm. which is, again, I think this is probably the movie's greatest strength and one of the reasons that um, it is a movie that I recommend very, very much. I would say even, uh, even greater than Star Wars, <laughs> even though I know that's the big thing right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want these people with some torches or something. <laughs> please, please don't flame me. <laughs> please. I mean, I, I love, I grew up with Star Wars, like, since I was, you know, four years old. I do love it. I do, and I did get opportunities to see new Star Wars. It is good. Coco is, you gotta see it. You gotta see it, man. I can't, yes, you gotta I can't see it. I can't say that enough. So if you're maybe make a double feature, go see Star Wars and then just go see Coco in the theater next door. It's right there. <laughs> it, it's it's worth the watch, don't worry. <laughs> yes, please. Please. They Pixar really hit the ball out of the park with this one and they did. All the praise that you've been hearing from every other uh, you know, film critic, animation uh fan, it's it's all it's all worth it. It's all true. It is. It lives up to the hype. I'll yeah. admit. <laughs> <laughs> She's a believer. <laughs> yes, I really enjoy the movie and now we'll try to go watch it again. <laughs> yes. Perfect. And if you do have an opportunity to see it in Spanish, please let us know. Yes, I will. Awesome. <laughs> I usually watch almost every movie. If they have it in Spanish, I'll watch it in Spanish as well. Oh, cool. <laughs> And that goes with the Pixar movies, too. Nice. I would love to, and you know what, now I'm really tempted to go back, watch uh, Toy Story 3, um, and <laughs> both see both, uh, like, the whole thing of that in Spanish, including with those Spanish mode bus. <laughs> oh, that was such a good, and also direct, directed by the exact same gentleman who directed this movie, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, but if any other... Any other final thoughts? Or you think we've 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 wrapped it up? Hmm, I think we covered a lot. I mean, yeah, the most we can do is just say how much we love it and the music. Yep, definitely buy <laughs> definitely buy the same. If you're going to see the movie, buy the soundtrack after because yes. it is gorgeous. Like I, I sing as well. <laughs> <laughs> excellent voices, excellent you know percussion. You know, instrumentation is wonderful. It's authentic. I've been yeah. dancing in my kitchen to Yorona as, you know, off the, like, pretty much every single day <laughs> since I got back from the movie. Both days. Yeah, it's such a beautiful song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that just about wraps everything up. So thank you so much for tuning into our episode. If you'd like to listen to more of our podcast episodes, please uh, feel free to check out our podcast page on animationforadults.com. You can also find our episodes on uh, podcast.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you want to keep up to date on the latest news, reviews, and blogs about animation, uh, feel free to follow um, Animation for Adults on any form our forms of social media, which includes uh, Facebook, Twitter at AFA Blog, Google+, Tumblr, Instagram, and Pinterest. You um, can also support the podcast and our website and other upcoming projects uh, by checking out our Patreon page and also our Ko-fi page and buy us a virtual cup of coffee because we would most appreciate that and any forms of feedback or ideas about future podcast episodes feel free to either send us an email at editors at animationforadults.com or any one of our social media platforms we would very much appreciate your feedback and support uh denary 
your um i believe we promised some of our listeners to uh if they wanted to check out some what of the uh coco merchandise to look at they would check out your uh your twitter handle so what would that be it would be uh haunted fairy 13 you can follow right. me on instagram and twitter very good and if you're interested in following me, I also have a Twitter account um, at Fail Two Ninja. Unfortunately, I do not have any uh, snazzy cocoa merchandise, so I'm sorry. But I imagine that will be <laughs> that'll be solved very shortly. Um, <laughs> I'll probably go out and buy some more. <laughs> nice. Yes, please. Many much pictures. <laughs> and if you are an animator looking to show off your animated short films, I urge you to check out AnimationNightsNewYork.com. I will make sure to leave a link in the show notes. Um, if you'd like to submit one of your films, we will also include a link to the, there's a link to Film Freeway on the um, Any About page. And like I said, we'll include that in the show notes for you. Um, and please, please continue to support our good friends over in New York for their, uh, their special animation film festival. It is very worth the visit and it is monthly. So I hope you enjoy it if you're able to go. We hope you've enjoyed this animated discussion and hopefully you will tune in again once we resume our podcast in 2018. Have a great holiday, everybody, and have a happy new year. If I'm far away, I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you each night We are apart, remember me Though I can't travel far, remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you the only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Hello listeners, I hope you enjoyed that Coco episode. Uh, next up, we've got another special holiday treat for you, and that is the first episode of our brand new podcast, Saturday Morning Cartoon Club, which we will explain more in the episode coming up, um, but it's a new podcast that will be coming to our Patreon account, uh, patreon.com slash animation for adults in the new year, but we're giving everyone the free first free first episode for free, uh, so you can have a sample of it, and it is on the old 1984 Voltron. So I hope you enjoy, and we'll be back with new episodes of both Saturday Morning Cartoon Club and the regular AFA podcast in the new year. Goodbye. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Club, a new podcast from animationforadults.com. I'm Chris, and I'm joined by Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to this is a brand new podcast idea from AFA. Uh, We are wearing our pajamas. We've got our cereal, and we're going to watch some cartoons. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a different kind of podcast if you've listened to our main podcast um this is going to be uh, a new idea where we basically dedicate each episode to a different cartoon from the old 
old days or not so old days uh it's it's a bit vague because we're going to do some older older series that we remember from childhood or one of us remembers from childhood plus also some that we sort of feel are in the same sort of spirit really that that the way you agree (laughs) yeah no i totally agree because i mean it's it really all depends on when you grow up i mean you know for us, there were certain uh, animated television shows that were very much a big part of our childhood and we grew up loving and, you know, and, and maybe they inspired us to, you know, behave in a certain way or, you know, follow a certain trend, you know, throughout, throughout the rest of our lives. And, you know, for you and me, that was for the love of animation. But obviously that's, you know, newer shows can also fall into that same category. Those can be shows that inspire, you know, creativity um, in just, you know, different ideas in kids of the newer generation so we feel like all of those different show, uh, shows are fair game exactly what is covered we're you know we're probably going to start leaning more towards some classic stuff that we grew up with since that's what we're more familiar with but we're not afraid of trying new things so i think that's what that's the kind of spirit we're going to be going into this new podcast and this is going to be kind of like um a semi water cooler kind of like the water cooler section in our uh in that we have in our traditional podcast, as opposed to uh, having a white talking about a wide variety of different shows. We're going to pick one show and we're just going to all watch certain episodes of said show, whether that be the initial, uh, the very first episodes of the show, or maybe a couple um, iconic episodes. And uh, we'll just kind of go through each one. And hopefully we'll also be able to know, let you guys know what's coming up. So you can maybe join in and watch some ideas, watch the same things as well. So we're yeah, we'd love to hear page. your ideas as well. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be available basically via our Patreon, uh, and there may be other ways to get it in the future, but to start off with, it's going to be on our Patreon uh, to anyone who becomes one of our backers, um, and we'll be interested if you've got any ideas for future shows that you'd like to see us cover, so let us know. Um, Yeah, your own childhood favorites, um, shows that have come out recently that you think you would have, like, really enjoyed as a kid, or if you just really enjoy it now, um, has really good animation and just elements that you think are really worth talking about. We'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you are already a patron, then we are more likely to... possibly i don't know Uh, yeah if you're if you're if you're helping support supporting this podcast we're more likely to listen to those but listen to those uh votes but that is we're definitely leaving that open as we said we're not entirely sure if we'll be just leaving this accessible on patreon but if you have other ideas in regards to that again we'll we'll try to make sure that this is enjoyed by as many people as possible so what's the first show we're going to talk about rachel for our very first episode of our saturday morning cartoon club we're going to go back pretty far a couple decades to a classic show that has been recently remade to a very widely popular Netflix series. And that is the classic Voltron. You've uh, we've on many episodes of our traditional podcast, we've talked about legendary defender, which is the, um, the DreamWorks uh, animation uh, Netflix series that has garnered a very wide popularity and for good reason due to its uh, wonderful animation, great storytelling and adaptation of the class, you know, of the classic Voltron cartoon, but we want to go back and take a look at the original source material of um, of this particular series. And fortunately enough for us, uh, the creators of Legendary Defender actually were able to get some of the classic episodes of the you know original Voltron series up on Netflix. And these were like their own personal episode picks 
of the classic series of the classic series that they were very fond of, or maybe that a certain uh, story that inspired or would later inspire certain things that you see in Legendary Defenders. So we're going to pick a few of the episodes that were covered in that particular episode list. They are obviously, if you take a look at them, if you're a, um, if you are familiar with the classic Voltron, you'll notice that those episodes are very much out of order uh, in terms of recommendation by the, by the Legendary Defender creators. But um, we're going to pick a seldom few of those. And we're going to think we're going to start off with um, the very first two episodes of the classic Voltron, which is the, basically, you know, the introduction to the series and, um, you know, sets up the whole plot of who the main protagonists are, where, what the setting is, who are our bad guys, and the kind of formula that this show would take up as, you know, it would go on for many, 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 many episodes. But um, one of the most important things that people need to know about uh, Voltron, if you aren't already aware, is that Voltron was based off, uh, was basically kind of similar to the series Robotech, and that it took quite a few... Um, Japanese uh, shows or Japanese animations, um, primarily uh, Go Line, I believe is what the, its title was called, and kind of took a whole bunch of different ones and kind of just kind of um, stitched them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the but most people know the classic Voltron is definitely um, episodes taken from Go Line, and uh, it's interesting after not watching this show for so long and just taking a look at because you know obviously as a kid watching this. A lot of, you know, it, it, it seemed to, you know, it, it made some sort of sense. But then getting older and going back and watching it again, you realize just how much of a kind of like a patch job this, this series is mm. in terms of scenes, dialogue, and writing. It just, it's very, I guess in, in nowadays, people, a lot of people would consider like, you know, laughably sloppy. But for, you know, back when we were kids, we were none the wiser. <laughs> This was something we had never seen before, and it was really interesting. What always really grabbed me, especially about those first two episodes, is that we literally had our protagonists who were, you know, they were off in space doing their space explorer thing, and then, boom, they get captured by the bad guys, and then they got to escape, and then they escape to this seemingly, like, desolate planet that's just been ravaged by war, and then you find the mysterious castle they sneak in and then they meet the people who live in the castle which is Koran the castle's caretaker and uh, Princess Allura the last remaining heir of the planet oh gosh right the planet Eris because they changed that in Legendary Defender but we'll get to that but um yeah it sets up the premise they introduce the lions and how they form Voltron uh the legendary defender of the universe and it's it's a lot to take in, especially with, like we said, the um, the kind of uh, stitched together nature of the presentation. But uh, it's it's definitely special. So, um, Chris, I wanted to get your opinion as an outsider because I'm I'm a longtime fan, but I want to hear your thoughts on those first two, those technically those first two episodes of the series. Well, I yeah, as you say, I was a newcomer to watching original Voltron uh, this time. Uh, I've seen a bit of the... I would, oh, no, I have now watched the whole entire first season of Voltron Legend Defender. I know I'm behind, but I have finally watched the whole season one, uh, mm. the new DreamWorks version. Um, but I had never actually seen an entire episode of original Recipe mm-hmm. Voltron. Uh, I 
would probably have told you before, oh, well, it, did, it, did, it wasn't showed here or something or when I was <laughs> at the right age. Um, but a friend of mine is familiar with it, so I don't know how he saw it. I was like, well, <laughs> I, I think maybe he had satellite or something. Maybe it was on the satellite channel or something, or, or maybe I just wasn't watching the right channel. I don't know. I never saw it <laughs> um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and I have to say, for a show about a giant robot and some giant lions, there were some things missing uh, from uh, a lot of this show, namely giant robots and lions, who I think feature fairly lightly. They do, and I'm not entirely sure how that's... I'm not entirely sure if that's just how um, Go Lion was edited, because I will say, more than anything else, from I take from my experience of rewatching classic Voltron, is the fact that it's actually made me really super curious to see how um, the original episodes of Go Lion were actually supposed to be because in, this is coming from someone who has unfortunately not had the opportunity to go back and look at those episodes for comparison. I really, maybe I might do that maybe on a later, a later episode, but that would be, <laughs> I just really, uh, that's made me so curious because it's, it's kind of like with what I know about Japanese animation now and specifically like regards to, um, you know, anime series in general, the way they structure certain episodes. Like I can see like the cuts and then when something's obviously cut out, like it's a lot more noticeable to me now than it ever was. Like say when I first experienced this show and it's, yeah, it does feel like the fact that the, even though this is focused on like the Voltron lions and Voltron itself, like it's very much a monster of the week power Rangers formula where you don't see the Zords or the Lions or the Megazord and AKA Voltron until like the very last bit of the episode mm -hmm. when the big threat is made apparent. So I think that's the best thing you could probably compare for people who haven't, aren't familiar or as familiar with um, the classic Voltron. It is uh, very much kind of like in Power Rangers to a degree are very similar in how they structure their episodes. Like we'll have a, We'll have a problem that the characters have to confront. They'll confront it in one way. Then the problem grows bigger. They have to get in the lions and then it gets even bigger. And then Voltron has to step in and then it can be just like a one hit wonder after that. And then the episode's over. That, that I think that's quite classic for giant robot sort of shows, that sort of formula. But it seemed to me like even by those standards, they seem not to spend that much time actually in Voltron or even the lions in the episodes I saw which uh <laughs> and I've got I've have I've got a very big soft spot for old anime like 70s and 80s and 90s and like the classic um aesthetic and everything and, and the feel and synthesizer soundtracks and things like that but I have I have to say I it this was slow going <laughs> it was and even for like say like I, when i gave that description of the first two episodes um just a little minute uh, like just a minute ago i mean the premise themselves in terms of how they restructured that scenario i mean like you know the fact that the very right off the bat the, the heroes get captured by the bad guys you know they learn what they're up against and then getting to the you know trying to escape and then they escape to the place that would eventually kind of be like their um their new home pretty much because pretty much the entire whereas legendary defender kind of they stay on one place for a little while but then they start exploring the galaxy and all these really cool different locales pretty much um majority of what i remember from classic voltron that was all on the same planet it was all on uh planet eris and they never like only occasionally would they go out in space and do something but pretty much 
almost every single episode, it was always like something was happening on planet Eris or, and they were sending a new Robies to go in and fight the, the, the characters and get, they have to form Voltron to fight it off. And then after that, it goes back to the status quo. Um, so that way, if you popped in on a new episode, you wouldn't be terribly confused. But um, I guess, to the, you know, to its credit, it did that relatively well. But it's still, like you said, it's very slow. <laughs> Something was happening on Eris, but not very much, to be honest. No. <laughs> Basically, whenever Zarkon just wants to send, like, huh, they seem really happy down there. Let's just ruin their day. <laughs> and... It it did kind of like strike me when I was watching because you sort of I think you get uh, used to things, names and things. But mm-hmm. when I thought about it, so like, Princess Allura, it's like it's it's just alluring. It's sort of they might as well say this is Princess Hottie or whatever. <laughs> it's just well, okay. I wasn't sure if we were gonna get to talking about Allura right away, but it was like I wasn't sure if we would wanted to save talking about her for later but um yeah i think it's probably unavoidable now because considering the kind of interpretation they have with her in legendary defender and her here it is very night and day to be honest i mean yes they're they're both supposed to be you know attractive female characters but at the same time allura and legendary defender you know she's struggling with leadership she's struggling with trying you know and eventually to be you know a contributing member of the team even though she's not one of the paladins and she's she's given a lot to do and a lot of character development and it's really really fascinating whereas even the show's creators admit when they were um going into uh, adapting this into legendary defender when they were referring to the classic Alora is pretty much the stereotypical you know do something scary and she'll faint yeah. <laughs> she faints a lot even when in the classic show when she is um promoted to one of the uh the pilots of the lions the pilot of the blue lion um even then she's uh a little bit of a kind of like a a typical damsel in distress kind of character like you know she'll try to do something useful and then something will put her in danger and she'll be like oh no and then he's like i'll save you princess and it's yeah it's it's very formulaic and it does tend to get really boring this uh i this is giving away a bit for myself by asking this but in voltron legendary defender at any point does that version of Elora ever become a pilot man you're just now you're just look now you're just fishing for spoilers but no okay don't tell me but i i thought um because i i thought that was I thought that's where we were heading with the series, I thought, when I was it, watching okay. it. Okay, to be fair, to be fair, yes, it was something the original series did, and so yes, Legendary Defender did it too. I will say no more than that. Because I was, I was kind of thinking, hey, this is obviously way less um, generous to its female characters <laughs> <laughs> than the new version, to put it mildly. But in this version, she's becoming a pilot, so I was expecting it to happen. I... I to be honest, that's where I thought it was. I thought by the end of the first season, she'd, mm-hmm. she'd be, she'd be jump flying away in in a in a lion. That's what I was expecting, and I haven't got to that point as yet. Well, like I said, it does happen, but I'm not going to give you the context in which it happens. So that that's that's the part I won't spoil. But um, yeah, that was something that the original show did that I think they because of the fact that it it meant something to Alora's character 
in the original show that they felt that they needed to do in order to kind of bring that back and show it in a different light in regards to a different situation as to why she would need to, why she would need to take up that, that mantle. And the, uh, the characters are fairly, <laughs> they're like, uh, there's that one guy with dark hair and then there's that other guy with dark hair who's totally different. And then there's, there's the big oh, fact. Are you referring to Sven and Keith and the fact they look so much alike? <laughs> and the, hello, I am Sven. Oh my God. And I will say this, they, yeah, th- what you're looking at right there, that's Shiro. That's the original Shiro. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I wish I was kidding, but no, yeah, his, um, that in his, in Go Lion, that was his name. Mm. And uh, he was supposed to be the original uh, Black Lion pilot, but uh, they, they changed that to be, uh, to be Keith because they very much conveniently found a way to write off um, his uh, death scene because he, he, in one of, uh, one of the later episodes, he does uh, get killed off in the original. And uh, they had to write that off in the English dub as oh no, he's just really badly injured. Injured. We have to get him to a hospital, and then he never comes back. Well, I did notice that he seemed to be in some episodes and just not there anymore. It's like, oh no, yeah, we're just not talking about him anymore. There's a reason for that. This is a problem with watching the episodes completely out of order. Oh, there's that character, they're gone. And then they're back. And then they're gone again. Oh, and then they're, oh, then they're back again. And it, yeah, that, that's the unfortunate part, the fact that they're, I think the reason why they do this is because I think they were just intending to these to be a, an example of what the show was like versus what it is now. So they weren't really, they weren't really in care. They didn't really care about order in terms of actual episode order. So if like you're, you're looking for actual episode orders, you can get the, you know, the actual DVD of the classic series, which I have by the way, because it's, just, it's like I've said in my, the pre, uh, our, our regular podcasts, when it comes, when Voltron comes up, it is my biggest, biggest guilty pleasure. Yeah, that's, that's why I feel kind of mean going, this is... <laughs> no, no, you don't have to feel me at all, because I, trust me, I understand where you're coming from, because even me, as, as much as I love it, like, I do see the problems, and there they are many, especially with the way that they edit everything together. Um, but no, yeah, it's, it, yeah, the problems you're seeing, you don't have to be polite about, because they're, they're there and they are bad. Again, a lot of it comes from the fact that it was a very, it was multiple shows stitched together and they were trying to sell it off as one thing, which for better or for worse, like some, they, 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 some of it succeeded, some of it didn't succeed. I mean, I, like I fear a lot of people compare it with Robotech and I'm not really sure which show did it better, but it's uh, like definitely the, the, the illusion fades with time. I, I've watched some... I again, Robotech was something that I did not have access to at the time, mm-hmm. and it's something that I have gone back and watched a little bit of uh, at some point. And I thought it actually it held up well. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think that's mainly probably because of Macross holding that well, <laughs> to be honest. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, go finish your thought. Sorry. I also think that uh, as like a as writers and everything like Carl Masick and his crew probably more adept at, at doing it and actually did an all right job of um, obviously it's still a hack job to a certain extent, but I think what I remember of uh, watching some Robotech 
even though it was a few years ago, I thought it held up pretty well. Um, yeah. Better than Doltron anyway. Yeah, and I agree. And personally, <laughs> I agree with you on that a lot because the, there was rewatching a lot of these episodes was in a in a form just a little bit more painful than I remember it being. But it just it's just because now I can, like I said, I can see those edits a lot more clearly. I can see what was edited here and what dialogue was added here to just kind of make it more generic, especially since you'll know, you, you'll know this from what you were watching is that they'll, they'll have a shot of a character's action and then they'll have the character actually say a line to what they're doing. They're, they're telling, not showing. They're not, let, they're not letting the animation from the original show speak for itself. They're just constantly trying to add the fill the void with more dialogue. And it's, it shows now more than it ever did as a kid, but it's just, it's, it's sad. It's really sad. And, um, but I will ask because, um, again, we can try to get an outsider's perspective, outsider's perspective here. Do you see any of like the ideas that they would later use for, uh, legendary defender or were there anything anything about this particular version of Voltron that you actually enjoyed or thought was interesting I see where they got the idea of the lions and the big robot uh mm-hmm. well <laughs> that's obviously that's the whole point of the marketing <laughs> and I suppose they've used they've used most of the same characters but changed them completely <laughs> and uh they actually made Pidge okay, um, <laughs> rather than... Yeah, Pidge so. is a little, well, very annoying to listen to, as most, even diehard fans of Voltron, the original Voltron will attest. That, that voice was just, wow. Especially considering how that, that character was supposed to be so young, and they, I don't know who they, I forget who they cast as Pidge, but they clearly is trying to do a kid voice and failing. <laughs> but, um... I will say some of the like the episode uh, episodes that were, uh, we were we saw together. Like we saw the first two, which was um, we the episode titles was um, Space Explorers Captured, which was the I've uh, alluded to earlier in the episode, and then also Escape to Another Planet, which is basically them discovering the lions and the the castle, Laura and um, Koran. But then there were a few others um, that I thought were interesting. There was one episode um, recommended by uh, Joaquim Dos Santos, which was the Stolen Lion, that was technically the eighth episode of the show, where um, Allura does a really big no-no, and she um, she up and steals the Black Lion <gasps> and tries to become its, uh, its pilot and fails miserably at it. She gets into some serious trouble, the other pilots have to come bail her out, and then because of that action that she took, they're all pissed at her. And so basically the majority of the episode is her trying to make things up to them and uh, then eventually like, oh no, we're all okay in the end. Um, but still, it was an interesting idea for at least for this particular show to cause some tension. But it's just, again, it was very poorly executed because Alora just came off as a whining brat. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was another episode where there was an evil witch or something and well, no, that's um, Hagar. Yeah, I yeah, I should know that. Uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to keep up when you just watch like six random episodes that are completely <laughs> out of order. Um, and yeah, and they all think she's dead, but they don't. But in ah, uh, the sleeping princess. In, yep. In, yeah, in in the dubbed episode, uh, they don't 
they all know that she's not dead, but they they're still acting like oh we've got to pretend like we think she's dead even though we know she's not dead. Well, and again, I think that's the that's the editing at work it's, there. It's because... got to be. They obviously you've got to assume that in the original. Oh, they all think she's dead, or she's in, or you know maybe she even is got a spell or whatever. And, yeah, because that's how the shots are directed. You can clearly see it in the original source material. That's the angle they were trying to go for. Like, all of the characters think she's legit dead. Like, oh, no, now the blue line has no has no pilot. We need to find another pilot. Like, I'm assuming that's how the episode was structured because that's clearly what, I, if at least visually speaking, that's what they were, that, that's what it was communicating. But that's not what the dialogue was saying. They were trying to write it as something else. Like, oh, we know this is a trick, but we're just going to set up a plan. Like, okay, that takes any and all tension out of proceedings. That's kind of sad. And I remember that episode and actually being really surprised by it when I was a kid and just, but still, I think even then, like the fact that they all knew that this was, uh, that somehow miraculously they all knew this was a trick seemed a little off. Mm, It just, just seemed weird the whole oh yeah we know she's not dead but i'm still gonna we're always gonna have a funeral and uh cry we're still gonna pretend that Wait, we're gonna yeah. let the bad guys look like they're gonna win and then we're gonna come and soup save the day like that just like i said all tension was removed but the episode that i saw where the editing was the most unintentionally hilarious is uh there's an episode it's what's it called somebody sabotages the space olympics or something Doom boycotts the Space Olympics. Boycotts, that's it. Boycotts. This is... This, oh, boy. This is so blatantly just the fact, oh, there's an Olympics coming up in 1984. Uh, in, I think it was... Was it in... It might be Los Angeles, I think, if I remember. It was, Yeah, no, yeah, that's exactly, you're right. And the Russians, it, was, it, was, it was one of the one of the Olympics. I forget exactly. I think it was the Los Angeles... No, hold on. I'm thinking I'm misremembering. But yeah, there was an Olympics... And the Russians uh, boycotted it or something, is that right? And uh, um, yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, we're going to do an Olympics episode, even though this episode has nothing to do with the Olympics. There's just one bit where there's someone playing football in the stadium or something, and they're like, oh yeah, the Space Olympics, Space Olympics are happening tomorrow. And then it's just... Oh man. And yeah, somebody boycotting the Space Olympics. Oh, oh, be still my beating heart. What an exciting plot. I, I know. It was it was so bad. No, like I don't think out of any of the episodes that they listed on Netflix, you will not find a more blatant just use of any other than the very first episode, like both um episode thirty-five and definitely episode one, Space Explorers Captured, are some of the most blatant, like you definitely see like these are both coming from different shows. Like, um, you remember the, um, the instances when the, the main characters were getting captured, um, how they kept cutting back to Earth and having all those guys sitting at a table yeah. just talking about the situation that they should have no knowledge about because they can't communicate with them. Um, well, that was from a completely different show. And I for, I'm trying to remember the, for the life of me what it was called. It was like Robo something. Beast King Go Line. Armored Fleet Die, die Rugger. Armored Fleet Die Rugger was the other one. That that footage of Earth was always from Die Rugger because, and you'll might you might find this interesting, in the original Go Lion, um, the space explorers are who are our main protagonists. They do make it back to Earth. Um, that's supposedly where how the adventure begins. They're heading back to Earth after being away for who knows how many years on a space exploration uh, mission, 
they come back, they find a wasteland of just desert and nothingness, and apparently everyone in on the planet Earth is gone because they blew themselves up with nuclear weapons. Whoa. So yeah, they come home, they're like, oh, or like or just they're just all gone. I don't know if it was nuclear weapons or not, but mm. it was just like Earth was just completely decimated, so there was nothing to come really come home to. And then of course the um the Galra, as they are known in the Japanese, uh, in Biscolan, that's what they were called. The Galra show up and kidnap them. And then the series begins in proper. So, um, yeah, th- there was a lot of editing in that just to try and cut out the fact that, oh, we can't have kids think that Earth is gone because that's too scary. <laughs> they might think it's true. They might think, oh, no, the Earth really has gone. You maniacs! You blow it up! <laughs> Damn you all the hell! And there's like little mice things and and oh yes, the mice and their own mini Voltron. And Alora's just got this ang- angry woman follows her around. <laughs> Hello, oh, her maid. No, she has her a angry maid. maid. I'm an angry maid. <laughs> I am trying to remember what her character was because they actually really don't mention it all that much. At least not in these not in these episodes. They barely ever mention it it was something generic i think is that i have to be honest with you not only you know had i have i um kind of struggled to get through these or whatever it was also a few weeks ago that i've watched them now so it's like they're kind of they're kind of like not the only yeah well i don't blame you for that but um blaring into one just like it is um i will say this no matter what people say no matter what people say, I mean, I do enjoy the new opening, but there's just something about that classic uh, Voltron theme that I still really enjoy. It's so cheesy and corny that just, and then of course you've got uh, Peter Cullen, AKA the voice of Optimus Prime uh, doing the narration mm-hmm. of the opening. And it's, and again, still cheesy, still, still silly and corny, but it's, that's part of the charm of it too. I saw his name on the credits and I yeah, was... he voices Koran. And there's also wow. oh right, and there's also um, Frank Welker was in it as well. He was, wasn't he? I'm trying to remember who he played. Oh my goodness! Um, as, as a Transformers fan, you'd think I'd have this memorized completely, but apparently not. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. I feel I'm okay. ashamed. <laughs> you already be ashamed. Mm. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's, uh, I think, unless there are any particular other episodes, I think there was, we've watched quite a few. Um, there was def- definitely the Space Olympics one, which was just atrocious. Um, but then there was also, like I said, the Sleeping Princess, where we think Allura is dead and not really, um, oh, I guess one thing, oh, I guess, well, I guess we can't talk about that because you haven't seen season three yet. So you haven't met Lotor yet. He's, he's the prince. He's, he's, the, prince. he's the prince of and he, uh, the bad guys. And you get the prince in this as well, right? Yes. Yes. He's, um, he was in the Sleeping Princess episode. He's got a weird yeah. uh, obsession with Allura because apparently, at least they only mentioned this in, um, in Go Lion, but uh, she resembles his mother and that's, yeah, that's all levels of messed up. It's not because um, she's Princess Hottie or whatever. Well, there's that too. But mm. uh, then they also need to have, um, you know, someone to have Keith and Lotor fight each other and 
pre- try to present story and like it's not Keith. <laughs> never gonna oh, not, never gonna not be funny to me that there's a character called Keith. It's just like the least anime name. It's like it's like in Castlevania with um was was oh uh, what's his name? Um uh, the Belmont guy, right? Trevor, yeah. Trevor, Trevor. Belmont. Yeah, like they're the least anime names ever. <laughs> like Trevor and Well remember because it's um um because he had a different name in uh in in, in Go Lion. I'm sure they all had different they all had different names. But it's just like, eh, yeah, that this is anime pilot called Colin or something. It's just so seems bizarre. Yeah, his um his name in uh the original Japanese was um Akira Kogane. Yeah, see, that sounds more like a badass pilot than Keith. <laughs> yeah, Lance, oh, I'm going to go over this just because I have this in front of me um, to the different character names. So Keith was Akira. Uh, Lance was Isamu Kurogane. Mm-hmm. Um, Pidge was Hiroshi, Su- I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it right, Suz- Suzushi. Mm-hmm. And Hunk was Suyoshi, Suyoshi Sedo. Yeah. So that, yeah, it's, it's like they... Those so you know those are those are cool sounding names for sure. But yeah, let's like let's look at Akira. We'll just call him Keith. Yeah, Akira to Keith. He looks like a Keith. <laughs> now, why should we call that big fat guy? Oh, let's just call him Hunk. Yeah, that 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 seems appropriate. Mm. But yeah, no, it's it's if you're really curious to see where a lot of like if you know you if you first experienced like the Voltron story through Legendary Defenders and are enjoying it. I mean, you'll still still enjoy it without having to watch any of the classic series, but I think a lot more of the references and uh, callbacks that they have, like the mice, and of course um, the whole big twist with Pidge was, you know, because a lot of people were familiar with that character being actually just a regular, you know, male character, but then they did the whole twist. Like, oh, guess what? Pidge is a girl in this version. So I think some of those things, it might it might be cool to just kind of go back and see what those, you know, what those episodes originally tried to do and see what they were inspired from. But obviously a lot of the things that even the creators themselves mentioned that, yes, this show is incredibly corny and really rough. So um, we're just basically taking some ideas from it and then we're just going to make them much, 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 much better. <laughs> make that cohesive narrative. Yeah, I would, monster of a week. I would definitely say that this definitely does make you appreciate <laughs> the new version. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, uh, no, don't, don't apologize. Like I said, it all, all, any and all criticisms of Classic Voltron for being really, like I said, stitched together and really like you know, just bad editing. Like it, it's all true. It's all true, and I know this. It's just that it's a, it's it's one of those things where nostalgia just completely overwrites things. Like everything, like things that should repulse me to like my core as an animation fan right now it's like i'm willing to forgive it because this is something that i grew up with in my childhood and a lot of i mean like i said it's been had opportunity because of what it did then it has had the opportunity to get redone into a much better show i mean that's that in and of itself is really cool i i promise you listeners this this podcast is not going to be every episode us just laying into an old cartoon and going no it doesn't hold up I swear, we, we there are going to be ones that we're going to look at and and appreciate more. It's just I mean, I'm yeah. I'm 
yeah, I've just got to be honest about this one. I find it hard to watch. No, and like I, and like I keep saying, I agree with you 100%. And it's just, it's cool to kind of look at a show that's gotten so much success and look at what first made it successful in terms of where a lot of the ideas originally came from. I mean, even some of like the different shots, like I think if you want the more authentic experience of, you know, the origins of Voltron, track down um, the original episodes of Go Lion. Because that's probably the more authentic, you know, classic anime interpretation of this story that you're going to find. Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, there are still a, a lot more of stuff that they have in uh, Legendary Defender was taken from Go Lion. The fact that the Galra, the Galra, um, in that one, um, Zarkon was, uh, goes by the name Dibazol, which they eventually, they still use that name. They don't call Zarkon, you know, in the, obviously in the new show, but they use the name Dibazol as the, name of the home of Zarkon's home planet and there's lots of names from that that you'll recognize in Legendary Defenders so I think if you're looking for a less slow less sloggy experience of experiencing the origin story of the Voltron franchise check out uh, Beast King Go Lion. I'm definitely I'd definitely be more interested to give that a go. Yeah who knows maybe we might revisit this topic as uh, looking at the first few episodes of Go Lion who knows. Maybe. Hmm. Teaser. <laughs> but I think that pretty much more or less wraps up our discussion on the classic Voltron. So, as Chris said, if you know, we'll definitely look out to hear some more of your opinions about what the next episode should be, and uh, we will get back to you in the next episode sometime soon. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>
die die something. Um, oh god, I I know things. Um, I know Voltron. Die. I know Voltron. I promise. Oh, <laughs> uh, Voltron was. Hold on. 1980s. We're gonna edit this out later. That's what you think. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> It was, um... Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some places promise you a change of scenery. Others show you the world in a whole new light. Take Isla Morada. Between the brilliant sunsets, azure skies, warm, clear water, and endless activities, including legendary sport fishing and diving, Isla Morada will take you places you've never been before in more ways than one. For more about Isla Morada and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash Isla Morada.